From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I am your host, KG Smooth. Along with Uncle Thank you, Larry Jones, and my friend, it's always a pleasure to be with you in studio. Yes, it's, I'm, For sure. I'm, I love doing this with you, Uncle. Yes, this sir. Is, this is so fun. It is. Uh, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, on the phone line, she is the Chief Development Officer for... AAMA, which is the Association for the Advancement of Mexican Americans. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Public Affairs Podcast, uh, Debbie Ortiz. Hi, and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Listen, AAMA has been around since 1970. For those who may not know about this nonprofit uh, that has been here in Houston all this time, uh, tell everybody about AAMA. Yes, thank you for asking. We actually have been quietly going about our work of helping people primarily in the East End community. And we do that by having uh, two charter schools. And we also provide prevention and counseling services for people who might have substance use issues. And we offer adult education as well. Um, We teach like English as a second language and also high school equivalency so that people can get certificates if they don't have a high school graduation diploma. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, Debbie, you um, you represent a, a, a wealth of a great heritage of people on the East End, and it's now one of the hottest developed areas in mm-hmm. the city, and we are most proud of that. Uh, can you tell us about the nature of the culture of the East End of Houston? Well, the people that we serve are primarily Latino. Uh, obviously, that's how we were founded, even though we're a diverse organization. Our, I guess our, our, uh, the name that we were formed with is somewhat misleading because we are inclusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but still, about 94% of our students are Hispanic. And many of them are immigrants. And um, some of them may even be undocumented. So there's just a whole array of needs that the community needs that we're able to provide. And because we're celebrating our 50th year, uh, everyone, you know, trusts us. And we've really been, I would say, a beacon of hope for that community through the years. We have a worldwide podcast. I think it's appropriate at this point for you to introduce your website, social media, Uh so people can find you who are listening right now. Wonderful. Uh, it's aama.org, O-R-G, is our um, website address. And then we also have several pages on our Facebook, which is AMA Inspire. Uh, and we also have Twitter and Instagram as well. It's A-A-M-A. And incidentally, we pronounce it AMA, uh, which is also always gives people kind of pause like when they want to know what is it that we're saying <laughs> it's excellent Ama, indeed yeah uh talk about the services that you all provide yes we as i said we provide education counseling services we have both outpatient and residential treatment facilities for people who might uh, need to overcome substance use issues or alcoholism we even have um, a whole array of services that serve the uh, people who have communicable diseases such as HIV or Hep C. And we serve about 10,000 people a year through all of these different 
services in six different locations in Houston. Mm, nice. And so um, how are you all doing um, with the families that are um, dealing with COVID as <laughs> the rest of the nation? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we help the people who really could not afford to have, you know, COVID epidemic because they are on the front lines. They have had um, a lot of their hours reduced or they may have lost their jobs. They also may not have access to health care. And it's just pretty desperate, really, because they often, you know, are having basic needs help. Like uh, we have been doing food distribution since March uh, for our families. And unfortunately, these are some of the some people, some of the same people who lost their homes uh, in Harvey and still haven't really recovered from that, you know, two years later. So that's why we have what we call a, a whole lot of wraparound services. You know, if we need to refer them to um, living arrangements because some of our students are actually homeless. Uh, and we also provide child care so that our students can go to school and we take care of their uh, toddlers and all the way through three and four year old pre-k alma with with the advancement of mexican americans you know this is a uh, census year and uh, so we're wondering how um are are you all assisting families uh with that or do you all have some sort of initiative to uh, help along with that very much so we are very involved in educating and informing our uh the families that live in our area through not only the census, but also voter registration. We have a big initiative going now just to let people know, you know, that anyone over 18 can can register to vote and why they should and what uh, kind of show them what some of the issues are that they can help overcome if they're if they do vote and if they do participate in the census, how that will help them get resources into our area, you know, for the school and the other supports that they're needing. Yeah. Because it really is a matter of life or death when it comes to COVID yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. being able to continue to live your life, you know, especially with uh, DACA being under uh, under, under attack, attack and certainly <laughs> yes. uh, as it is. How, how is the community grippling with that? What's the conversation around uh, the DACA situation? Well, you know, frankly, a lot of our people hesitate to have conversations about these things Mm. because they're afraid. And that's one of the things, the obstacles that we've overcome with the census and the voter registration effort is just letting them know not to be afraid, you know, that the census information cannot be used against them. They can't come and get any of their family members just because we know who they are and where they are uh, and that it's important to be counted. And, also that we need to elect people who have our best interests at heart so that, you know, we can protect them. And I think the immediate thing that they have is fear, fear and wanting not to share the desperate times that they're going through and, you know, not even expecting to get help. So that's something uh, that we just deal with on an ongoing basis with them. Indeed. You all are celebrating. Uh, Ama is celebrating 50 years with it. Now, we I don't are. want to pronounce it uh, wrong. Uh, how that was are you it. Pro- you got it. No, a little, <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm talking about the celebration. So is it? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. It, 
Illumin, Illumin celebration. Illumin, okay, so I was right in my head. Uh, Illumin celebration. Yeah. <laughs> Illumin celebration, my uh, friend. Celebration. A celebration. Yeah. Oh, yes. you rolled your R. I heard rhyme, that. All right. Very good. I know, right. So that's going to be happening February 26, 2021 at yep. GRB. Um, yep. And you guys announced that uh, just this summer. We have. We actually are still trying to decide what it's going to look like exactly. Mm-hmm. But the George R. Brown, we actually have uh, the, the general manager is on our board and they are giving us um, an in-kind donation, which I'm so pleased despite all of this, you know, that they're able to help us. So we're looking at what the program is going to be. Typically it's a very fun event, you know, with dancing and, and a lot of interaction. We will definitely still have our live and silent auction and a program. But we're having to still look at, you know, how the tables will be and how many people and all of that. And we're hoping that by uh, the first of the year, we'll have a better feel for what we'll be able to offer. Indeed. And 50 years, that's nothing to uh, scoff at. No, it's. (laughs) And one of the things we're doing is really celebrating the legacy because we have a, a board member, Christian Navarra, whose parents were two of the founders. And we also have the uh, Alexandria and Leandra Hernandez, who are the daughters of another founder, Alan Hernandez, as well as Roland Lorenzo, who, uh, of course, of the Lorenzo family, Nympha was one of the founders as well. So we're really honoring them and the legacy and where we are here today, 50 years later, and you know how it's grown that we've stayed true to our, our core mission which is creating strong families and strong communities. Debbie, we're just about out of time for this segment, but KG and I want to both surround you with a ton of light, a ton of love. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Yes, ma'am. Continue to uh, uplift our our beautiful Latino and Mexican community because we love you. Uh, We worked hand in hand frontline in a lot of areas that people may or may Mm -hmm. not know about. And we we really are linked together so we really are we are it's 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 an amazing beautiful array of of human kindness when you get these communities together and 50 years of adversity and achieving and striving and going forward uh we just want to bless you right now my friend and say thank you so much for the work you've done for our greater community thank you so much that just fills me fills my heart you know and every day it gets it's challenging, but we move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And give that website one more time, yes. Debbie. It's aama.org, O-R-G. A-A-M-A.org. Deborah Ortiz, uh-huh. the Chief Development Officer for the Advancement, uh, for the Association Advancement of Mexican Americans. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a good rest of the day. Thank you. And Unc, our next conversation is an encore conversation with this young man from uh, Trust for America's Health. Uh, Please welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast. He is the manager at Trust for America's Health, Mr. Adam Lustig. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, Please tell us about uh, Trust for America's Health. Uh, so the Trust for America's Health is a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., and we're a nonpartisan public health research and advocacy organization that's dedicated to promoting the health and well-being of every person and community across the country. 
Um, we specifically focus on health equity and ensuring that those that are most uh, vulnerable um, are able to achieve their full health. Mm, nice. And how long has uh, this been around? Um, so we've been around for about 15 years now. And so um, we've traditionally focused on advocating for um, a robust public health system. But I think as we're all recognizing as a, as a country that there is a greater need to address some of these underlying issues that impact everyone's health. And in this case, I'm here to discuss the, the importance of nutrition, especially amongst children. Well, Adam, let's get started because we we all know that there's a tremendous underserved part of our communities, uh, usually uh, black and brown skin uh, children. The only meal they may get in the day is at their school through their program. So how is your organization affecting that? Uh, sure. And I think, as you said, there are many children in Texas and across the country that rely on school meals for often or only um, nutritious meal of the day. So in Texas, about 57% of students get free or reduced price lunches, and that works out to about 3.1 million children. So for these children, this is often the only nutritious meal they have. And uh, the report that we had released last week highlights how schools have adapted their programs to ensure that um, regardless of the school's operating status, whether it's fully closed, whether they may be entering into online education, that uh, students are still able to access these meals. And so we highlight the amazing work that school districts have done to prop up meal distribution sites, uh, delivery of meals via school buses, and in some cases, even uh, delivering meals individually to children in recognition that uh, these meals are a lifeline for many families in Texas and across the country. Indeed. So um, how are you? How have you all been getting uh, the word out to know that, um, th that you're there? To be honest, Adam, I haven't heard of this organization until uh, now, until we got the email about having you all on the podcast. Um, so we're a, we're a policy organization, and so we, we may not always be known to um, a lot of individuals and to your listeners, um, but what we're really trying to do is to promote and prop up effective evidence-based policies that have been shown to improve health. And so for, for this work, there's um, reams of data and evidence that support the importance of ensuring uh, access to nutritious meals for children. Indeed. And uh, I'm seeing how uh, you all have the uh, Beyond School Walls, how federal, state, and local entities are adapting policies to ensure student access to healthy meals during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. How are they doing that? Let, let us know so that, so the people can know. Um, so uh, the, the first thing I want to acknowledge that school districts have done an amazing job at being able to essentially overnight create new programs to ensure access to these meals for the children that depend on them. Um, so as I said before, um, schools have developed uh, meal distribution sites or use, using buses and things of that nature. And that's all thanks to um, the USDA, a federal agency that oversees school meal programs, uh, providing waivers to school districts to provide these types of programs because typically 
Um, there are regulations and restrictions on when meals can be served, how many meals can be given out at a single time, the nutritional value of these meals, and a, a slew of other regulations. Um, but school districts and states have been able to leverage these flexibilities provided to them by the federal government to be innovative and really meet the needs of their local communities. What we highlight in the report that you had referenced is that all of these flexibilities were applied to the past school year. And so there's going to need to be action taken in order to ensure that we can continue uh, having children access uh, these very nutritious meals. So Alan, with COVID-19 wreaking havoc across America and a lot of school districts in limbo of when they should actually open, if it's a virtual, if it's an actual classroom, how does that help your, uh, how does your organization help us sort through this maze? Um, so uh, COVID-19 in general, um, as I said, we're a public health advocacy organization. And so we've developed a number of resources related um, to the um, federal government's response, state government's response, and even local government's response to COVID-19. Um, so whether that is highlighting promising or um, effective practices, um, or um, trying to shed a light on issues that uh, we think are not being adequately addressed um, in either current federal legislation or through um, local or state action. Indeed. So where can our listeners get uh, more information on um, everything that Trust for America's Health does? Are you on social media, uh, the website? Get, give it all. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, our website is tfah.org. And on that website, we have a webpage solely dedicated to COVID-19 resources where you can find information on food insecurity uh, in addition to some of the other issues that I've highlighted. Um, our Twitter handle is Healthy America uh, One. That's the number one. Um, and on there, you'll be able to um, follow our most recent uh, developments and briefs and reports that we put out on a regular basis. Indeed. Adam Lustig, manager for Trust for America's Health. Any last words, anything uh, that, that the people need to know? Um, I would, um, I, first, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity um, to uh, share this information with your listeners. And I'd also encourage your listeners to reach out to local nonprofits or food banks and see what type of support that they may need. It may be financial support. They may need uh, food donations. They may just need help getting the word out. But I think um, it's pretty um, well accepted across the country, no matter what your political affiliation is, no matter what your race or ethnicity is, that no child should go hungry. And so these types of programs should be adequately funded so that families and children can have access uh, to nutritious meals. Adam, thank you for your time, sir. Thank you for your organization. And thank you for caring enough for America's children that your organization would have these policies in effect. It, it means a great deal to parents like myself, even grandparents, and we appreciate this new knowledge. So thank you for being a part of the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world from your local Houston BMW Center studios. I am KG Smooth, joined by the market icon that is... Uncle Funky Larry Jones, and I received that, sir. Thank yes, you so well, much. Well, I mean, super facts. Your history <laughs> goes long and deep in this 
town. Thank you, sir. Uh, on the phone line, we have Mr. Jordan Harris, who uh, is a part of Reading with a Rapper. Uh, dot com and they have announced their hashtag turn texas yellow campaign jordan welcome to the podcast g hello hello happy to be here good good it's been a long time how you been holding up during um quarantine covid life you know just doing the best that i can um i feel like everyone had to kind of pivot you know the things that they had going on in order to to uh, survive man that's what i'm doing man just trying to survive indeed so uh, reading with a rapper, um, what is that exactly? So reading with a rapper um, takes literary devices and metrics and applies them to um, rap lyrics. So we take popular rap lyrics um, uh, from our, you know, popular artists like your Beyonce and your Drake's and going forward and Travis Scott. And we also shed light on um, up and coming artists and local artists as well, but we take their their lyrics and we apply, again, literary metrics in, uh, into it. So, for instance, um, similes, metaphors, things like that, and we'll say, hey, we'll identify them first and foremost or have the have the students identify them and, and you know, really just show that how lyrics can, or rap lyrics can apply to literary devices as well, and you can help strengthen and learn reading through that as well. Uh, very smart. Hey, Jordan, it's, uh, it's, it's Funky Larry. I am new to this, but I see that you guys have been in three years now with reading with a rapper. Is this a part of a curriculum for public schools or just an online course? So it is a, a curriculum um, that can be applied to public schools. We uh, were currently at All Dean ISD at nine of their middle schools. And so reading with the rapper is designed to be an after-school program. Um, to where the kids can um, uh, be taught by their teachers that they already know. We take all the we took all the teachers and trained them on how to uh, teach the reading with the rapper curriculum. Um, but it is a curriculum that can be applied in public schools and as well as online. Hmm. This is smart. I mean, because I mean, it's a great concept. Yeah, because you know. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, when you teach kids their ABCs, you sing it to them. That's how they remember. I like the relatability of the formula to get this in mm -hmm. because obviously the, the rap is the repetition. Mm -hmm. And if you put it to a particular beat, I'm right. quite sure. In a song with the same flow it's as got their to rapping. Be an incredible, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, breakthrough for a lot of kids Absolutely. who, who Jordan, may have Jordan, I saw had a, this morning, um, there's a, uh, a school teacher. Her name is Mrs. Williams, and uh, she she's rapping to uh, What's Poppin'. She's a teacher. And she's rapping to the uh, Jack Harlow song, uh, What's Poppin'. And I just saw that this morning. And, and the way that she is incorporating it and she's in the school and she's got her students that's doing a little choreo and their social distance. And I was like, yo, she's teacher of the year already for having one up on one of the hottest songs of the summer and applying it to, um, you know, her curriculum in, this, in the subject that she teaches. I don't know Absolutely. if you've seen that. I didn't see that, but um, but that's a perfect example of how, like you said, it makes it relatable to the kids. They, I'm sure they know the What's Poppin' song. You know, these kids know more than you know, what we know, uh, or, or a lot more than what we think. And right. um, when you take something that's relatable to them and show them they can learn from that, that's a beautiful thing. So in her case, it sounds like she kind of remixed the song, right, to, to teach whatever 
she was trying to uh lesson she was trying to convey in that moment. But think about like the lyrics that are already there in these songs that the kids know and you say, Hey, you know, in this line, this is a simile. Hey, in this line, this is the metaphor. Hey, this line, this is personification, repetition, you know, things like that. And and these and, and your favorite artist is using literary devices to write the songs that you like. And so it's important to learn how to read and know how to read and know how to write and things like that so you can be like your favorite artist. So that's what makes it, like, really relatable to the kids. So that's really cool that the teacher took that same concept and, you know, again, remixed the song. So, yes, one one part conveyed a lesson that she's trying to teach, but also teaching them that this is how you do this and this is how you can also do this as well as a, as a student. You have a theme of turning Texas yellow. What does that mean? So our goal is to get reading with the rapper in all schools around the world. But we are based in Houston, Texas, and Texas is our home, so we want to start here. So yellow is our color um, of, of reading with the rapper, and we want to turn the whole state yellow. We want to say, hey, let's get reading with the rapper as many schools as we can. And so right now we're asking people to donate to our cause. And when you donate, well, the donation is in the form of um, purchasing Reading with the Rapper branded items. Like we have backpacks, pens, lanyards, like really things that are geared towards students and kids. And your money 100% goes towards um, getting Reading with the Rapper in schools. So this is a uh, worldwide podcast, my friend, and this would be a great time for you to introduce your website and your social media handles to everyone who's listening right now. Okay, uh, you can go to readingwitharapper.com slash donate to donate to our Turn Texas Yellow campaign. And our social media across all platforms is reading WA Rapper. So reading with the rapper, but just WA Rapper. So reading WA Rapper on all platforms. Mm-hmm. How long is this program? A um, couple of weeks? or How long is it engaging? Um, originally, it was designed to be an eight-week program, mm-hmm. but the beauty of it is is that uh, we have uh, actual curriculum writer teachers on our team so that it can really be shaped and formed however a school or school district wants to do it. So, again, it's designed to be an eight-week after-school program, but the possibilities are limitless. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. Man, we love that. Three years and uh, going strong this I I think this this is probably the school year where for it to blow up because I mean <laughs> it's, it's, they're doing it virtually yeah. you know there's not a lot of schools that are uh, going back you know physically uh, as far right. as I know um, any mm-hmm. any solid commitment from any of the school districts? Um, well, you know we try not to speak too soon on things because okay. we are totally you know, understand talks with a bunch of different. But I will say that um, coming soon, we will be in a few Houston schools as well as uh, New Orleans and Atlanta. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. Congratulations. So Thank when you so all much. go to the, the webs, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jordan. I'm, I'm sorry. The comment on uh, what you're saying about uh, kids being uh, virtual school, the, uh, these schools are going to be looking for something to engage kids. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to be even more of a challenge to get them engaged in certain things, especially just teaching the regular um, the regular curriculum um, virtually. It's hard to get kids to pay attention, you know, in person, let alone virtually. So reading with the rapper, I think, will be a great supplement 
to uh, helping kids that stay engaged, at least on the English language art side, for sure. Indeed. And so when you go to the website, uh, reading with a rapper.com and donate, um, what does the donations cover? So the donation literally goes towards um, getting reading with the rapper in schools. And so like our, once we raise enough money or depending on how much money we raise, we can place reading with the rapper in schools. And so it, it really just depends on how much money we raise. It takes about, it takes about five grand to put reading with the rapper in one school. So the more money we raise, the more schools we can impact. Um, and so, but when you donate, you, uh, it depends on the level of donation that you give, which uh, it starts at $10. You get, again, some Reading with the Rapper branded products. So we'll send that to you um, as a gift for your donation. Okay, cool. So go to the website, readingwitharapper.com, uh, and click on that donate page so uh, we can help. Uh, Bring it on, bring it on in. When culture meets the classroom. Yeah. Jordan, I, um, I, I'm, I'm curious to find out what spark, what place, what moment in your lifetime it clicked that you and your, your, your group, your company, your family wanted to put this teaching tool into place. Well, the thing about it is um, my co-founders, Jaren Small and Douglas Johnson, um, started Legends Do Live, which is a nonprofit. Um, and Le Legends Do Live is geared towards serving under, uh, excuse me, underserved youth. And so that's in the form of scholarships, um, events, and things like that. And so we, we've always been geared towards um, uh, serving our community. And that's been for the past seven years. And so when we started reading with the rapper, honestly, that was just an idea that uh, that Jaren, one of our co-founders, had in the middle of the night one night. He called me to say, "Hey, like," uh, uh, and what what inspired it was I don't know if you guys remember um, when Migos had got on. I think it was one of the power stations, and they were rapping Dr. Seuss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that going on. And by. he just mm -hmm. was like, you know, this is this is impactful because these, these are the type of artists that, that these kids are listening to. And, and the fact that they got in there rapping Dr. Susan, that, nothing like that had been done before. And, and Migos have their own style and stuff like that, which makes them um, popular and makes them, um, makes people, makes their audience gravitate towards them. So why not shed light on the lyrics that they're already producing like these these rappers are telling us stories they're telling us stories and regardless if they think so or not or, or if it was on purpose they're using literary devices to write these lyrics right exactly and 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 that's important for for their listeners to understand that because it, you stay in school basically stay in school get your education and you know if you want to be a rapper one day well you gotta, you gotta know how to read and write at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. if you want to be like them, you got to continue to do that. So why not create something that engages them and inspires them to be better or be the best that they can be in life yeah. by something that they already love and enjoy? And not only that, and just emphasizing, um, putting emphasis on the fact that you have to be smart to be a rapper. Like these guys, they come up with words and they make them rhyme and, and all of that in you know, uh, a millisecond. 
And so your brain mm-hmm. has to work. So like you have to have a certain, there's a certain level of intelligence mm-hmm. when it comes to rhyming and freestyling and, and, and rapping. Well, that's why I wanted to ask Absolutely. Jordan about the, 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 the instant it hit because on this worldwide global podcast, there are literally people, people listening right now who are stuck in what to do, how to do, help their children learn mm-hmm. and give back to the community. And for you and your 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 partners to to in the middle of the night come up with this unique idea that has now blossomed three years in the running, helping thousands of kids in the Houston area. Uh, and there's one right there. I just <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to give you your props, man, and, and, and say this is uh this is this is this is what God has 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 deemed y'all to do, and I'm I'm proud of you, man. Very proud of you. Thank you, thank you. Like so our goal is to serve, underserved youth, and and we've been doing it for the past seven years, and we're not stopping anytime soon. Excellent, indeed. Rapping, rapping, Lord. Website. <laughs> Lord. Reading with the rapper. <laughs> Reading with the rapper. Dot com is the website <laughs> on social media. It is reading W A rapper, correct? Yes, yes. At reading W A rapper, and then just log on to the website uh, for all of the information and uh, check out Legends Do Live. You know they're mm-hmm. a great charitable yeah. organization. Um, I've been involved with uh, many events that they have done over the past seven years. Just uh, great. So shout out to you, Jordan. Shout out to Jaron. I'm a little disappointed Jaron wasn't on the call. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll get him we'll back. Get we'll get him back. We'll I'm going I'm to I'm I'm hit him up and see what, what was going on. But no, <laughs> yeah. we appreciate you. We'll be back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan Harris, um, one-third of <laughs> readingwithrapper.com uh, via Legends <laughs> Do Live. Man, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. I like that concept, Unc, because that's something that I, we've been seeing over the years. You know, teachers, something, you got to go where the people are, where the students, where the kids are at. And teachers taking popular rap songs and incorporating the lyrics so their students can learn. Let me, let me tell you how old that thought process is. Mm. This goes back to the beginning with King Tim the third, when we first heard this rap record on the radio and, and our minds were blown. And then we, we got wind of, of run DMC and there were teachers who were talking about, well, if they can learn them rap records, they ought to be able to learn their homework. And someone would say, well, you ought to put their homework to rap. And it never got off the ground. Mm. It never, and I'm talking 1979, 1980. And here we are some, what, 40 years later? Mm-hmm. And these gentlemen have this great concept. And I, uh, it serves the now. Yeah. And and I'm all about relatability and serving the people where they are. And if this is what it takes to help your kids break the formula, and I say break meaning that they're able to grasp information in a different direction. Right, right, and comprehend it it better. And and, and especially to retain it. Retain it. You know, so uh, kudos to them. That was was so good. Yeah, I love that idea, and I'm sure it's going to take a lot of uh, at least some pressure off of these parents uh, who have to do this from home because I'm sure a lot of parents back in April – in May, Didn't realize I am not smarter than a fifth grader. <laughs> right. Okay. I am not smarter than a fifth grader. Yeah. I probably need to go back to second grade. 
because remedial, remedial classes are good because <laughs> it is a, a different time. It is. So, so what are the vibes? And and this school thing is so um, it's still up in the air, um, but I just find it absolutely fascinating that you know. I don't say that they can't. You know, and I've seen that some schools said they can't enforce wearing masks, but yet here in Houston, you can force a kid to cut off his dreadlocks. Like, make it make sense to me. Well, I, to your point, correct. <laughs> but in I've seen one school district that seems to have a formula that works, and it's in Wiley, Texas, and it's the Wiley Independent School District. And I don't know how they got their funding or who had the thought process that way back in in May, April, we're not going to get back to school right. So we have to start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. KGS saw this. They they have the distancing. They have the plexiglass, mm-hmm. uh, the mask. They do the temperature check. They do the hand sanitizing. All of it's ready, and the kids are back in, in their school. And so far to date, no cases of the virus from any of the kids. Nobody's sick. Yeah, and, and did you see this? I would like to see how they set that up. Did they have like pictures or videos? Of, yes, of and something? I want to say it was either on the CBS Evening News or mm-hmm. ABC Evening News, but I remembered it was it was a Wiley Independent School District in Wiley, Texas. So you might be able to YouTube it, yeah. and find it. But it was a fascinating de- turn from all those who said they can't. Now, personally, if my kids were going, we wouldn't. We just have to find a different way till they get a vaccine or something changes because I, I just I'm not I'm, I'm not, not I'm not personally. taking that I'm risk. not all right with that I'm just not, but we'd find a way to work something make make it work, um, you know and, and a lot of single parents have had the opportunity to do homeschool uh, and there's several curriculums that you can easily download and and be a part of another program uh, while you're there with your school so, uh, but personally I. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't send my child back to school right now, and I, I, I and I would not want my spouse, who may be a school teacher, to be in that environment because, you know, as good as we are, we're very, um, we're very selfish, yeah, and we and don't I like. Just, I, and just from a logistics, yeah, standpoint, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, and and I mean, it was it was they were dealing with a lot. It was a lot before. Yeah. This like, you know, having a child to sit and pay attention and to do some work behind plexiglass and not want to play with their class. And not want to play with their classmate. (laughs) And, you know, keeping a mask on. Grown folks can't even keep a mask on. Grown folks are refusing to wear. That's what I mean about being selfish. Yeah. (laughs) But yet we want to put kids Mm -hmm. in a room. I don't know. 60 feet apart. This is un- this don't make sense to me. Yeah. It, it doesn't well, even seem like it's workable because there's like, what, 25, 30 kids in a classroom? It has to be thought out. If you're going to bring them back in, you've got to have a plan. And a lot of places, people have not sat down to put together a functional plan. I like what uh, Dr. Burkholder said mm-hmm. last week. Like, let's have the administrators and the people that want this to happen, let's have them do uh, a mock test 
and them sitting in the, in the classroom for eight hours with their masks on and all of that. I, I was like, Dr. Burkholder, you're you're on to something. But yeah, man, this has been a this was a good episode. So uh, thank you to everyone listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. I'm KG Smooth. Uncle Fine, Killary Jones. One question a lot of people have been hitting. Where can they find the podcast, KG? Um, we are on SoundCloud. We okay. are on Spotify and uh, Apple. Excellent. Yeah. The, the major players. Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud. That's where you can find the Public Affairs Podcast. So please do uh, subscribe and continue to listen. We thank you. We do.